What's up, guys? My name is Joseph Ashton, and welcome to another episode of The Donut Box, where we unbox stories and talk about things we usually don't talk about, from body image to diet culture and everything in between. I am very excited for today's episode because if you've ever watched a beauty pageant, Miss Universe, Miss Earth, Miss International, Miss World, and all of those things, I'm sure you've wondered, what is it like behind the scenes? And today we have somebody who's going to spill the tea and talk about things we usually don't talk about. So if you're ready, let's unbox this story. I met our guest through an online webinar, which she hosted, and I was shaken by her amazing singing voice. Like, it was the first event online that somebody was singing, and I was shocked. But she is also Miss Earth Air Philippines 2018 and Miss World Philippines Second Princess 2013. She's a host, a public speaker, and today's unboxer. Everybody, let's sprinkle in Zara Saldua. Hello! Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because I'm such a fan of your content as well. Oh, and I've been sharing a lot of your content you. with like a lot of my friends who have the same issues or are going through some of the things that you've been going through because it's so relatable. Oh, and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this is how we were going to start off, but uh, thank you so much. And I was so intrigued when you let me know that you were interested in like having this conversation because. I want to talk about the things we usually don't talk about. And this is something that is big as well, right? So we're going to talk about the pageant industry, guys. If you're ready, let's start off with our first question. What do you is a beauty queen? Or for you, what do you think it takes to be a beauty queen? Well, honestly, being a beauty queen is not as easy as people think it is. It's very mentally draining, emotionally draining, physically draining. And of course, it's even spiritually draining at some times. So you have your mental health issues that are heightened during a competition. You have your insecurity issues coming out during a competition. And at the same time, you really force yourself to get to a point where your body seems perfect for other people more than anything else. But also you have to prepare yourself mentally because a lot of people right now, other than mental health, a lot of people right now are looking at beauty queens to be the smart beauties it's no longer just about the face because people criticize like crazy so any mm-hmm. little thing that you say that can take people off you have to learn how to be diplomatic and you have to know how to say your opinions properly and that's what it takes to be a beauty queen someone who can communicate their thoughts i mm-hmm. never think that a beauty queen should be the smartest person in the room because it's not a quish. It's not like a a 100% Q&A type of thing. It's a portion of it. But if you can express yourself and your opinion without having to disrespect another person's belief, then that's one huge aspect of being a beauty queen. And another is to get to your best form, as they say, physically through face and through body. Mm, Okay, that's a great way to put it. Because I think when we think of beauty queen, we really just think of like looks and that's it. And that's a lot of like the stigmas of, or the stereotypes of what a beauty queen is. It's like just face and glam and that's it. But I like how you mentioned the very important thing is you have to know how to communicate. Because you are up there. You are representing something, something big usually. And you have to know how to communicate. Otherwise, people will misconstrue you. It's going to be a whole big issue. And it's just going to suck mentally, physically. And like you said, all of those other aspects as well. Yeah, because definitely you are a role model and people Mm -hmm. look at you as a public figure. The minute that you enter into pageantry, every single thing is going to be criticized from how you look all the way down to what you say and how you say it. You're basically put under a magnifying glass Mm -hmm. and people are just there to either praise you or to hate you. But I guess it's true to any industry. It's just that because beauty queens are put to such a pedestal in the Philippines Mm -hmm. and it's a huge part of our culture, that's one thing that they're more unforgivable about, you know? Yes, exactly. And it's also often in an international stage. So you're not even just representing yourself, you're representing your culture, you're representing your family and all of these other aspects that hold so much more to it. But given these pressures... 
why did you want to be a beauty queen? Like, we're talking about what it takes. And then, so the question is, why did you want to go into this industry? What made you follow this path? Honestly, a lot of people have different reasons why they join mm -hmm. the pageant industry. Some of them have this dream of being a beauty queen ever since they were young. Mm -hmm. For me, it was purely because, well, one, I had this boost of confidence because I lost a, a bunch of wings after college and then going into my career. And then the second is a lot of people kept telling me, you should try beauty pageantry. And I don't want to fake it and say that it didn't have an effect, but it's been years of people telling me that. So in the back of my head, I'm like, I wonder how that's going to oh, be like. I've never wanted mm -hmm. to be a pageant queen, but it just so happens that it's a seed planted in the back of my head. Slowly. And mm -hmm. Slowly. And then lastly, it's because I really thought that if I had a bigger platform, I would be able to really influence more people with a lot of the advocacies that I already had because I was very big in creating more programs for the less fortunate. Then came beauty pageants and I said, maybe this is how it is because that was the time where social media was getting bigger and the only way that you can get even more influence is if you became a beauty queen mm -hmm. or an artista. We didn't have Instagram back then. We're still transitioning into that age where you need other people to help you get that influence and not create that influence on your own. So I guess that was the biggest push that I wanted a platform, a huge platform to push for some of the programs that I already had. Oh, I love that. I love that what was bringing you into it was having that voice and like amplifying other voices um, around you because I think that's really important and most of the time we really do see a beauty queen as just someone who wants to like, oh, maganda ko, I want to show off my looks, I'm pretty, so let's just go for it. But then you realize now, oh wait, maybe there, there's so much more to that story. They're fighting for something and this is just that um, other direction or way that we can get that message out there right for sure i mean definitely beauty queens who are competing for more than just themselves will last longer in the industry because we're talking about beauty queens who have even a career after mm -hmm. becoming a queen you see queens who are crowned but you never see them again yes because they didn't really want it for the right reasons i'm not judging them it could be i mean it could be their lifelong dream it could be something that is a little bit selfish that's for them but the trend that i've been seeing is that if you don't have something that's bigger than you then it's not going to push forward you're not going to have a long career mm -hmm. after pageantry oh, that's what i noticed that's a great um perspective on it because something we also know about beauty in general is that trends of like looks like, they they change over time so the our perception of beauty changes and if that's all you're like kind of focused on and you don't have that other part of you that's driving you to be there or to spread a message to communicate something can kind of stop yeah there. What were you doing before pageantry or before going into that industry? Before that industry, I was really hosting a lot. Um, mm, okay. I've been hosting since I was 16 years old. So it's really a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I can get paid to talk. And <laughs> I am now. <laughs> yes. Right? Get, getting paid to do something that is natural to you is, it's, I think, a privilege. And that was one of the things that I was doing before pageantry. And it was so funny because... I was also one of the youngest news anchors in PTV4. I just started that career as Ooh, a news anchor. Okay. And it was there during my news anchoring that I saw the news bit that they were still looking for beauty queens for Miss World. And oh, I was like, huh, adore maybe was that's there. my chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. So aside from, that, that, was how, that was how you got into it. So you saw that kind of like opening and you were like, okay, let's go. That was for you. Yeah, because it was near where I was working. And it was in Quezon City and I was working in Quezon City. But by the way, I'm from all the way south. I'm from the Spinias. So mm -hmm. Maybe if I saw it in Las Vegas, I wouldn't have said, oh, let's go there because it's convenient because it wasn't convenient uh, at all. But I was working there and then it was the last call. It was like, hey, we are looking for more beauty queens. This is the last time we're going to call this out. And then I said, you know what? Before I go to work the next day or a few days later, I'm going to go ahead and then try. Wow. I didn't, I didn't have any <laughs> training whatsoever. I did not know how to do makeup. I did not know how to walk like a beauty queen. I was literally just this tomboyish type of girl. Like, I didn't care about how I looked that much. I only did makeup by other people when I had events, mm -hmm. you know. 
And it was really a struggle for me to find my femininity because I kind of veered away from it when I was younger because I didn't want to be a girly girl. It was looked at as something so negative. But the older that I got and the more that I got into beauty pageants, I kind of accepted it as who I was and used it more as a power to become feminine and to become a woman. And I think that's where I learned how to become or how to grow into this woman or into this goddess type Mm -hmm. person. So Wow. That's a great story of how you mentioned femininity. Because a lot of the times, especially nowadays, we kind of are afraid to show that side of us. Like even for me before I was growing up, I always felt like being a girly girl, wearing makeup, all of these things were so like I, I was like that's so maarte ganon like, that's my mentality of it and then it was it's only also recently now for me where I'm coming into colors coming into outfits and it's really empowering and I love that you mentioned that it helped you find who you are and allow you to be that through this form which we usually don't see that being a beauty queen can actually help you feel more confident in yourself not just because of looks but because of you knowing who you are as well like I never really thought that because I'll be honest when I was mm-hmm. younger I didn't really look at beauty pageants with a lot of respect I just said okay. oh it's just standing there and looking pretty you like know waving. A lot of <laughs> yeah. waving yeah just all you have to do is smile mm-hmm. and you know just have a good body and a good face and you're good but I really learned to have a lot of respect for these beauty queens that are stereotypical beauty queens mm-hmm. for sure but very few of them a lot of them have a great story a lot of them have such a good heart. A lot of them are smarter than people think. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know how to communicate themselves very well. And it was such a journey for me to kind of see that because like I said, it the same with you. Like I wasn't really accepting of my femininity mm-hmm. of my womanhood. And then now that I came into pageantry, it's just kind of like, oh, I kind of do feel empowered with all of this makeup and yes. these heels yes. and looking good mm-hmm. and fine, mm-hmm. you know? Why should I be ashamed of being a woman? Mm-hmm. But there are pros and cons for sure. But that's how I look at my journey as a beauty queen. And that's a great journey because I think, like you mentioned, we do tend to look down on beauty queens and like, okay, so you're lucky, uh-huh. you're, you look good, good for you, right? Like that's, yeah. that's it. But you have to have a lot of depth as well. And it was only recently when I think it was the Miss Universe Philippines started going on like TikTok because that's how they had to do the, not the most recent one, the one prior that we were able to see a little bit more in depth of what it's like behind the scenes of being a beauty queen and what it takes to get there and I think that was helpful on that perspective of understanding a little bit more of the humans behind the walks and the faces and all of those other um, things that we usually see and people forget that it's a competition Mm -hmm. you know like it's not just you're there for your own vanity there is a competition so there is an art form that you need to perfect there's an art form in your walk, how mm-hmm. you pose, posing like that. And for me, being in heels for three, four hours oh, yeah. at a time, <laughs> I used to go home and just ice my feet, just like, oh, what is, what's happening? Having injury on your toes, on your feet as well, because you get in blisters from walking, from standing. You're at the end of the day when I'm smiling the whole day, but the time that I get home, I'm like, nobody talked to me because my social battery I'm is done. Yeah. zero. Mm-hmm. And I'm an extrovert. Like I feed off of other people's energy. But by the time that I go home and it's exhausting, that's something that I didn't really expect. But it happens. So people don't think that the beauty rest, another thing is the beauty rest. People think like, oh, you're. it's so easy to be beautiful. No, it's not. <laughs> you have to. I didn't get any sleep during pageantry. I have to go to like doctors, estheticians Mm -hmm. to just make sure that my skin is still glowing, that I don't look fatigued because I am hella fatigued on the inside. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things also going on. Like I said, your insecurities and your mental health is at risk because you're comparing yourself constantly with other girls and you're trying to fight off the haters that you see online, which is more prevalent now than it was before. Yes, that's what you mentioned. Of how, like, it's hard to do this. Not hard to be beautiful in general, but like, it's hard to get to this state because you have to wear the heels. You have to wear heavy clothes as well. You have to wear makeup for so long. There's like all of these aspects to it that on the outside, all you're seeing is just like, okay, they're posing. That's it. But then the preparation, you see somebody for a few seconds. That's all you see. But behind the scenes, they've been preparing for so long. 
and the maintenance is hard. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a while, like it, to get there as well. Because you've been in the industry for a while, seeing that you won like in 2013, like so, like before that, how long have you been in the industry, and what are some changes that you saw? moving forward let's say maybe like in towards openness or requirements types of contestants maybe i think before because to be honest like before 2013 i wasn't a huge fan or enthusiast mm-hmm. of beauty pageants but i did host a lot of them because i did you know hosting mm-hmm. when i was younger so i would host a lot of beauty pageants and i would notice that the questions number one they're getting harder so that means we're expecting more mm-hmm. of our queens it can't just be something that's philosophical or it can't just be something that is so like a shallow topic it has to be something that actually means something mm-hmm. and second the requirements well we do see more contestants with different body types really trying to get into the scene and being unapologetic about it i remember that there were beauty queens internationally right uh, we had miss canada i think before who was heavier mm-hmm. than the other girls you know like curvy i wouldn't say that she's like plus size or big i would say that she looks like a normal woman who mm-hmm. works on her body you know who's healthy and there is that image of being a beauty queen where you need to look healthy you need to be that role model but of course that look of body positivity is still subjective for the beauty pageant industry they're still not 100 mm-hmm. percent accepting of there. all mm-hmm. sizes yeah But we're talking about the mainstream ones, but there are pageants that are opening up, right? We have pageants who are for women that are mothers. We have pageants who are for older women. You know, we have pageants now that are for trans women. We have pageants that are for even curvaceous women. So the good thing is we are diversifying in a sense where we're claiming beauty pageants in our Mm -hmm. own safe spaces. And maybe who knows in the future, there might be a, a an acceptance of all sizes, together. of all genders yes. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we never know, but it is a step forward. I do see that there are positive changes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like what you mentioned of the questions being a little bit harder, and I also see they're a lot more relevant as well because it's they are. it's not just like generic. Okay, world peace type of like you gotta answer with world peace. <laughs> like I remember that from Miss Congeniality. But oh, oh my god, it's so funny <laughs> that you said that because when I was in the pageant, all I could think of is I'm Miss Congeniality. You know, <laughs> I didn't know how to do the makeup or the walk or oh, anything. Yeah. Like the the experience is there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was like a big stereotype from that movie was like, okay, like all you have to do is talk about world peace, be this, be that, and all of those things. And I love how now it's becoming a lot more relevant and like focusing on what is happening in the world. And you really- In the society, yeah. Yes, you can see how in touch you have to be as well. You have to know what's happening. You have to be aware of all of these things. You can't just go there and be like, okay, I'll wing it. Like, that's my, that's my fear. Because like, I don't know enough. So Which I is what I did the first time. <laughs> oh, how, how was that question and answer for you the first time you went? I don't think like question and answer, I'm going to sound really arrogant, but mm-hmm. because I talk, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, uh, I'm hosting. So that means I always have to think all of my feet. Mm-hmm. I always have to know the right things to say for the client, for the customer, for whoever that I'm going to be interviewing. I have to think of questions on the spot and react to their things on the spot. So question and answer was not the difficult part for me. Mm -hmm. The difficult part was really the physical aspect of it and the mental aspect of it because that was what Mm -hmm. got me. Yeah, it was very new. It was something that really was a culture shock to me at first. I found it at the beginning very superficial. But again, like I looked at it as a competition and competitions, there are requirements. Like if you go to a bodybuilding competition, but along you have to fit a certain requirement mm-hmm. to fit there. And you have to know what things you need to do to enhance your chances of winning. Mm-hmm. And that's why we can't hate on some of the girls for beautifying themselves the way that they want to beautify themselves, because that's how the game is played. I like to compare them even to athletes. I mean, athletes have longer trainings. Athletes go through so many different things, but so do beauty queens. There is a lot that goes into preparing yourself. And now there's also the aspect of social media presence. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't have a stronger social media or a fan base, then there's less of a chance that you can be noticed or even winning in a competition. So that's why a lot of these girls 
are in it for years just so that they can build that fan base that that support that they needed from the beginning mm-hmm. speaking of that speaking of like social media and now having more of a presence and having to be seen more what are some of the things or like the comments the main ones that you've gotten as a beauty queen that have affected you or you feel are like you know those comments that really get to you a little bit when it comes to your presence as well I think when I first started out it was more on YouTube comments and Facebook comments right Mm -hmm. and uh some of the I did the wrong thing which is look at all of the pageant vlogs okay yeah (laughs) don't dig deep (laughs) yeah but I'm the type of person who's like, the more that I saw, the more that I know that it's going to make me improve. Like, I love the hate because it makes oh, me more, okay. like, it's fuel for fire you. under mm-hmm. my ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's the wrong thing to do, obviously, because it did affect me in some way. I was a little bit bigger. Even if I lost weight, I still was a little bit bigger than some of the other girls. And that was one of the comments that they noticed. Mm-hmm. And a lot were... Against the fact that, because oh, I'm Muslim, all right? Not a lot of people know this because I don't wear the hijab. I'm, Muslims are not a monolith. Like, you mm-hmm. can't just put them in a box. But yes, I'm supposed to. But this is how I, you know, live Express my life. And as well. mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't wear a two-piece. And I'm not very showy with my body. Like, I don't have cleavage. I don't wear super short shorts. And not that I judge anybody else who does it, but, like, mm-hmm. that's just not who I am. When I got into pageantry, I also brought that with me. Like, I always had a saddle. I always oh, had, like, okay. something to cover up if it was a two-piece. And even if it were a one-piece, I still did have a scarf around my mm-hmm. waist because some of the one-pieces would go up, like, really... Like the V. Up that yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, that was the more sensitive topic for me mm-hmm. rather than the criticism on my weight because I've always had that growing up but more on the religion because a lot of people didn't understand mm-hmm. and it was also the hate that I got from the Muslim community in the Philippines oh, specifically okay. yeah because they were like oh don't say you're Muslim because you're not really practicing that much or mm. you know that they were giving judgments on the way that I presented myself as this Muslim woman that I never claimed to be a perfect one. I just said that I am a practicing Muslim. But yeah, that was the more hurtful ones to the point where I had to delete a post because of all of the hate. And it wasn't because it was negative only on me, but I didn't want to have other people Mm -hmm. look at the comments and say, these are how Muslims are, which they aren't. Mm -hmm. So it's sad to say, but it happens. I did have good comments though. That was also... The Very important helpful. ones, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the focus, the what we focus one. on. Yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I had a lot of people saying like, "Oh, I admire how she is so eloquent, how she expresses mm-hmm. herself," which is such a huge compliment because this is what I do. So if they bash me because of how I talk, that's like a I'd different. Like, <laughs> it's a different part. <laughs> like, no, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but exactly that—that that is the biggest part of being on social media and also being in a platform like this. Like you mentioned, it's a competition. People are going to pit you guys against each other. You're going to compare yourself. So there's such a big mental aspect that people tend to forget about. And it's okay for them to just comment. I'm like, oh, you put yourself through this. You're the one who wanted to be a beauty queen. I can say whatever I want to. They feel like they are allowed to comment because it's a beauty pageant. Like, you know, they get to scrutinize you and all these things. But I also loved how you mentioned that you were carrying a different message with you, which is that even if you are not like the typical way that we usually see uh, a Muslim woman, you have that faith and you are sharing at least that aspect of your life as well. And I love that. But you tapped in a little bit more on like how it affected your mental health and your relationship with food and your body. What are or how did these things and these comments affect how you took care of yourself um, moving forward? Honestly, I think that was one of the most most difficult parts because I did mm-hmm. end up in the hospital twice. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't get diagnosed formally for my mental health because at that time it wasn't a thing. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't a thing to just go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and then they'll say like you have some type of eating disorder. It wasn't a thing that time. It was more on like anorexia and bulimia, which I don't think I did have, but I did have some sort like the of the characteristics of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, body dysmorphia, because when I came into the pageant industry, right, I already had, 
you know, the teen stuff where you always feel like from, there's something wrong with your body. From when you were growing up, it was already there. Yeah. <laughs> it was already there. And people are always telling me like, oh, you're so pretty, but you just need to lose weight a little bit more. That you know, comment. like you're so chubby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always like, oh, it's probably baby fat. And after college, again, there was a time in college where I was like 170, 175 pounds. And that was a little overweight for my body type or for my height. And I did not have healthy habits. And I started working out. I started like eating right. I started Mm -hmm. like doing certain things. And then I get into the pageant industry. So I went from 175 to 135 Mm -hmm. in the span of like two years and a half, which is a healthy, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. healthy duration, right? Get into the pageant industry. I dropped like 135 140 all the way to 120 in two weeks this is like the first year like in 2013 yes so that time i dropped it in two weeks 15 to 25 pounds and all i did was just eat fish and then vegetables so people can say oh so you're doing like a pescatarian Mm -hmm. slash vegetarian diet and i had no sugar it was not balanced out whatsoever i had And I thought, you know, okay, this is just going to be for the competition, just Mm -hmm. to get into fighting shape for the coronation night. Because you'll see like the first day in the pageant and the last day in the pageant, it feels like two different people. Mm, You'll see the the, the promotions, the photos, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then I was also taking diet pills to just make sure. Mm -hmm. And then because I had like a lack of energy, I took a lot of coffee. So uh, to make up for it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to make up for yeah the lack of energy because I'm not having any carbs. I don't mm-hmm. have like a proper source of protein. And you I don't get any have, sleep. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then fast forward to like a month later, I was still. I finished the coronation night. I already won, but I was still in that in that mentality where like I still need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It's not enough, and people were looking at me. Now that I looked at it, I'm like, what the hell did I do? Because I was getting into like um, underweight territory. Mm-hmm. I was already like 118. And the reason why I got into the hospital was because I had acid reflux to the point where I was vomiting eight times in an hour, oh, not even no. in a day. Mm-hmm. I was projectile vomiting because I had a beating. <laughs> like, it's funny now because uh-huh. I'm alive, right? But like it was super serious at that time because I was in a meeting. And my clients, they said, we'd like to serve you like food. And mm-hmm. then they got spaghetti. And I was already feeling dizzy that day. I was in a taxi. I was saying, Kuya, can you stop the car? Because I need to throw up. So I threw up. All I had that day, I remember, were like two diet pills and coffee. That's all I had. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it came to that point where all I had was one meal, diet pills, and coffee. That's it. By the time that I got to the hospital, they said, like, it's a good thing that you were able to reach in time because there's already a hole in your stomach. Oh, like, the lining is already no. gone. Okay. And if it got worse, then your other intestines would have been, mm-hmm. been affected. And unfortunately for me, three to five months later, when I thought everything's okay and I stopped drinking, like, coffee and I stopped taking acidic stuff, I went back to the habit. Because um, you're like, I'm okay now. <laughs> and like. Exactly. And I thought that it was only for the pageant, but then it really took a toll on how I look at food. And now Mm -hmm. I'm constantly trying to heal Mm -hmm. with my relationship with food because I've been through so many diets and been through like keto diet, a vegetarian diet, vegan diet, trying to figure out like what's best for myself, for the environment, for everything. And I just couldn't find anything that was sustainable and made Mm -hmm. me feel good about myself and not hate myself for eating a small piece of chocolate or binging that you mentioned in your contents actually that was one of the first things that I saw in your contents that was a huge part of how I looked at my diet like I'm just gonna I'm not gonna eat for Mm -hmm. a whole week and then that one day of the week I'm gonna eat whatever I want the freedom (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. freedom it was such a bad cycle I felt so that was the biggest thing that Mm -hmm. I wanted other people to know because I know for a fact that it's not just me and I know for a fact that it's not just women in pageantry because we do have Mr. World. We do mm-hmm. have like Mr. Fitness. And it's something that if you're not aware of and you're not careful, then it might you might bring it with you. Because I brought it with me for a long time, for years, mm-hmm. not even months. Yeah, I brought it with me for years. I was struggling for years. I was hating my body for years. Mm-hmm. And it's only now that I'm older that I'm just like... I want to focus on my health rather than the way I look. Yeah. 
donut break add the filling add the frosting let's go some quick glazed questions for our guest today are you ready yes let's go what's your favorite thing about yourself and why my speaking skills because i feel like expressing myself is one of the most important things that you can do in this day and age yes very true what's your comfort food Oh my god, it's so hard. I think just <laughs> That was the hard question. <laughs> I think Arabic food is because it's my childhood, so it brings me back to my childhood. So Arabic food and then it's part of my top five with like Thai food and Korean food and like all, Indian all food. The <laughs> all the cultures for you. All the cultures. We're inclusive, yes. What scares you the most? Cockroaches. Oh, okay. What? <laughs> oh, are we talking about legitimate? No, fears? no, that's that's a good fear. I think that's a real okay. fear. <laughs> what was It's your real. dream job as a child? Being a United Nations ambassador slash uh, human rights lawyer. Ooh, okay, we can still get there. <laughs> And yeah. the most important question: What's your favorite donut flavor? It has to be anything that has Boston cream inside. Ooh, yes. yeah, yeah, love a good filling. Do you feel any of those the side effects up till now in your health overall? Like, yes, because the acid, right? I don't drink coffee anymore, especially mm -hmm. if it has caffeine. I used to drink it once a day. Okay, before mm -hmm. when I was having acid reflux and it triggered it, I had three, four, five cups of coffee in a day. Oh, okay. Now I stopped having coffee like for a month and a half because I was realizing that. The older that I got, my digestive system is different. So I went from having a lot of coffee mm -hmm. to zero coffee to one coffee every week to one coffee every other day and then one coffee a day. And now it's just coffee but no caffeine. Mm, okay. And it's every maybe like two, three times a week. And it's just just, just having the feeling of coffee, <laughs> but not really. The experience the is there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. The vibe is there. <laughs> like I'm a coffee girl. Yeah. You know? Let's see about that. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. The reason why is because I think a lot of us, especially young girls, will look at a beauty queen and be like, she's so pretty, she's so thin. But if you don't know the behind the scenes, you will just try to get there. Apart from that, we also have those people who are like, this is how I, like, you know, you see beauty queens sharing their what I eat in a day. But you also know that that's not exactly what they eat all the time. And you will compare and you will follow, not recognizing that it might actually be super unhealthy and taking a toll on them mentally and physically like you mentioned when you got to that like competition weight that you mentioned it was not enough for you like you felt this it's not enough I, I can do more I can keep going what are some other things you feel that fueled that for you why do you feel like it wasn't enough and you had to keep going for a long time I think it's because I didn't understand how body types work mm -hmm. for different people I think that time we really weren't focusing a lot on body positivity. Let's mm -hmm. let's be honest, especially during the early 2010s, 2000s, it wasn't like that. And one of the experiences that I remember was after the beauty pageant for Miss World, I was able to get this opportunity to model, right, for a certain brand um, or not just a brand, but like for Fashion Week. So mm -hmm. multiple designers who were there and they just look at models coming in, coming in, coming in. And a lot of the designers rejected me because I was too big. And at that time, I was 121, 22. That was like big for them at that time. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was the weight. It was more on the fact that I didn't realize that it wasn't the weighing scale. It was because of my body type. Like I have big boobs. I have a big butt. Mm -hmm. And for designers, it wasn't really how they designed their clothes. It was more on for a certain, you know, for a certain type of body. It had to be a straight body. You had to be like a size zero, a size two. And I didn't realize that it wasn't me. It was just like their type of standard. So for mm -hmm. me, I said, in my head, it was like, I lost so much weight and I'm still big. It's I, not I didn't, enough for them. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not. And I went through that spiral all the way down. That point in modeling was really a big turning point because I think that's the time where I kind of, it was a catalyst for me to get into five coffees a day mm -hmm. and diet pills twice a day and all of those things. I tried even the ones where you ask your friend to get it from Bangkok. Mm-hmm. 
I forgot the names, but those were kind of like not being sold on the public oh. market because <laughs> it's like they were kind of secret, secret stash. <laughs> but yeah, they weren't illegal, but they're not. It's like ivermectin, right? Mm-hmm. It's not illegal, but it's it shouldn't be administered. Not used to for you. that as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how I felt at that time that it was just so soul crushing that it was not enough and. Mm-hmm. I still have those flashbacks sometimes, it's even when I host. Sometimes I look at another host and maybe she's getting more events than me because she's thinner than I am mm-hmm. or she's, you know, she's a certain body type that fit the brand more than I do. But now that I'm older, I realize that there are some brands who get me because of my talent more yes. than because of how I look mm-hmm. or because I'm confident in my body and they love the inclusivity that I bring because of my body. That's a long journey because even in 2018, that was five years later, right? Five years later. And I still allowed myself. I thought it wasn't going to be the same. I said, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to do We're going to do this the diet. right. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to do this right. I'm going to go and eat better. And then I ended up having keto diet, which isn't necessarily bad, but it's not for me because I'm not a diabetic. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I didn't well, even diabetics, add- we wouldn't recommend all the time to, to do that. Mm-hmm. But yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I, I had I didn't realize that I was also uh, I have some symptoms of PCOS and there were like mm. some findings like it wasn't 100 percent. But the doctor said, you have a little PCOS happening right here. So she said, like, you need to reduce fat and isn't keto like a high fat mm-hmm. yeah. diet. And I didn't know that. So but that time I was really into no carbs, mm. all fat, all day. It was like indulgent, but at the same time, it was like dirty keto and I wasn't getting the right type of fat because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time to prepare and I'm not preparing because I have a competition and I was working out two, three times a day and going to these places that was two or three hours away. So it's it was mentally draining again mm-hmm. and I went into this spiral again and, and it's always a yo-yo type of diet thing. But after during the pandemic, I kind of like stopped, took a breath, figured out what, what on all of these things, mm-hmm. figured out what my body was like, got more content that was more helpful rather mm-hmm. than hurtful. That was the time that we met and oh, yeah. I was like stalking mm-hmm. your content there. And I was like, that's how I feel. <laughs> Thank you for the stalking. But um, I, I really love what you mentioned, the importance of diversity, right? Because I think that was the biggest thing that really hit a lot of us because you don't see yourself in fashion week. You don't see yourself in photos. You don't see yourself anywhere. Of course, you're going to feel like you're not enough. And because you had boobs and a butt, because you had a body that wasn't like the ones you would see, it really affected you. And I just just want to emphasize that for everyone that, you know, it's not your body. That's not the problem. It's the fact that we're only seeing things that don't reflect who we are. And we should probably diversify our feeds and our circles, if that's possible, to help us view a little bit more of people. And that's the importance of what you mentioned, the different pageants coming up, the inclusions, the spaces for more people, because that's what helps us feel seen. And that's what helps us hopefully try to recover a little bit as well. I mean, I love everything everything that you just just mentioned, because it's true. It is about like having that representation going out there. A lot of people especially those skeptics are talking about representation is just like you being my It's not because mm-hmm. it does affect how you feel are your possibilities in the world. Like, yes, it is very limiting when you say, oh, these models are only up to here. And it was also a little bit difficult for me because usually curvy women like me with like a butt and boobs, they are always placed into lingerie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that other people need to notice. Like, we have to know how to include women and not just say, because that's kind of stereotyping, right? That's also like objectifying women in some way. Yeah, that like if always you have sexualizing this type of body, them in yeah. that sense. Mm-hmm. But you have women with these curves who are not comfortable sharing those curves because not because that they're insecure about it. I mean, I love the way I look. Mm-hmm. I love the way I look naked, 100%. I love the way yes, I look naked. We love this energy. But, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. I'm not comfortable sharing it with the mm-hmm. world, not because I'm not confident about it, but it's just that I'd like to share it for me. Yeah. You know, it's just for me and my future husband. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. And there are other women who feel that way, who are a little bit more 
conservative and there's nothing wrong with being conservative. There's nothing wrong with being more liberal. It's just that why can't we have Both. more and of all. everything? <laughs> yes. exactly. exactly. That's great. I love that you yeah. mentioned that because that's so true for a lot of people who have boobs and a butt. They're so afraid of getting sexualized as well. And so they don't feel like they can express themselves. Like for me, for a long time, I hid my boobs because it's bigger for my body frame than usual. Every time I would have like clothes that would show my boobs, it would automatically be me feeling, oh my god, people might think I'm like trying to make them look at me or something. But then it's like, I just have boobs and I'm just wearing clothes. But it was so hard for me to feel that way because what we think of curves is always this objectified, sexualized version that we can't just exist because that's how our body looks like right so it's like ah, it's a stressful thing 100 <laughs> 100%. so let's go back a little bit to pageantry because i want to ask this really important question of how much does it cost to be a beauty queen because i can just imagine like the costumes the training all of those things how does somebody afford to do this is it sponsored most of the time Okay, so there are some women who are sponsored by their LGU, okay. like if they represent a certain city, but that wasn't the case for everybody. Like not everybody's lucky to have the city support you. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they won't support everything. Like they'll give you a portion, but they won't give you everything. They'll give you like what they have in the budget specifically. There are some cities that do have the budget for it. Like it's part of their marketing budget. So they're, okay. they really invest in their beauty queens. But again, it really depends per city. There are some beauty queens who do have contacts, who do have, like I said, if you have a bigger fan base, mm -hmm. then there are people who are willing to kind of give you gowns or they're willing to do your makeup for free or to give you certain clothing, etc. But if I'm going to be honest, the, the training also, most of it is for free. Like I trade with Kagandahal Flores and mm -hmm. they never charged me a single cent. Oh, okay. You know? so do they get anything back from that? Like, or is it just the promotion of I them? Think it's basis. Okay. I think like if you won the major ones, then there might be like a little bit of a donation just so that you can help other beauty queens. Mm -hmm. They're doing really well. I really don't ask because... They've never asked me to pay for anything, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm just thankful for that. You do have to take care of your skin. So a lot of times, you if you don't have a bigger following, then you might have to like pay for your own facial, mm -hmm. for your own products. And if I'm going to give you a range, right? Mm -hmm. I personally spent around 300000 Was that on one? That's on one. On, on one beauty pattern, which is oh. the Miss Earth one, which is the one that I truly prepared for. Ah, okay. You know, mm -hmm. the one for Miss World, I didn't prepare. I was just like, let's wing it. <laughs> let's Everybody try it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one, I think I spent maybe 100000 like on makeup, on oh, clothing, gosh. maybe mm -hmm. like fifty to 100000 But because I still had a lot of things that I need to buy in terms of clothing i usually had like t-shirts and jeans mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm, like shorts mm -hmm. i didn't have gowns i didn't have like you know my eyes the clothing palada and i didn't have makeup that much because i wasn't really into it so i had to invest a lot of it which i used in my events eventually but you know i had to really put like money into coloring my hair i didn't mm -hmm. really do any sponsors but the bigger pageant was like around uh, three hundred thousand that i spent Wow. Some girls spent less, mm -hmm. some some girls spent more. Um, but yeah, it was like that. The luckier ones got free everything and additional mm. allowance from their the from LG. their LGU. Wow, okay. So that's how it works and you really do have to have like a big junk, especially because of the maintenance, right? Like you mentioned, like Facials are not cheap to have on a regular it's basis. <laughs> you also have to have a gym membership, you know, and mm -hmm. you have to get a personal trainer if you don't know what to do. I like being told what to do. You oh, know? Okay. So, mm -hmm. Like, I don't like thinking when I'm working mm -hmm. out. Yeah, you want to just I focus just, on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think all the time. So if I have a trainer telling me what to do, I don't have to think. Okay, yeah. So there, See, there's a so, lot of costs. Okay, yes. these yeah. are some things that we're like, okay, there's so much more to it. And I want to tap yeah. into a few more controversies as well um, in the beauty industry. Do you think that Filipinos are well represented in pageants? Or do you feel like it's slowly becoming more represented now? Because I know that they're usually in the international level. We do see the queens that 
are chosen to represent us, they're often mixed race, right? So do you feel like we have enough of representation as Filipinos in pageant industry? I think that, yes, Filipinos are mixed race. There are like a lot of them, mm-hmm. but a majority of them are pure, you know. Mm-hmm. But I can't say that a lot of them are 100% pure because what people don't realize is that me, I'm half, right? But I wanted to represent the Philippines. I chose Philippines mm-hmm. and not my other half. And there are different reasons for different people. And it's just showing also, like, if we're going to be talking about inclusivity, Mm -hmm. it's not about taking away from the pure Filipinas because there are, there are. It just so happens now that there are more half Filipinas that are being represented now, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think it's unfair also that a lot of people think like, oh, just because she's half, she's Mayama. And that's not true. You know, there are a lot of them who also have their own struggles. Some of them never see their fathers, but they're half, you know, or they're. They've never seen, they've never been to another country. They've been Filipino all their lives, but they just look a little different because of that mixed blood. But they identify 100% mm-hmm. as Filipino. And yes, it is controversial because a lot of people are like, oh, let's get a Filipina beauty. Again, no one's stopping them, you know, and different pageants have different looks. We do have pure Filipinos who went out there and represented themselves. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. I'm not sure. But like mm-hmm. Kylie Versosa is mm-hmm. a pure mm-hmm. Filipina. She's Miss International. And she was like a huge, she is still a huge thing in the pageant mm-hmm. industry, you know. And you have a lot of Filipinos who've lived here their whole life, even if they are half. Mm-hmm. So do we want to limit it to pure Filipinos? That means we're going against saying inclusivity, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not their fault that they're half. Their parents just, you know, <laughs> yeah. had sex and they're like, look, a baby. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's true because a lot of that happens in like when, when you are not just pure Filipino. In, in wherever you live in, and you're Filipino, there's always that fight of like, you want to be true to your culture, but you're also being pushed away by this part of it. But you're also being pushed away by this part because they think that you're not Filipino enough, but you're also not this enough. So there's always that back and forth. But do you feel like this has anything to do with like the judges probably maybe favoring certain features of mixed race rather than a pure Filipina? I will tell you honestly that there are judges who have Mm. biases. There are. There will always be judges with biases because these judges are not 100% Mm -hmm. They're human. (laughs) They're human. There are judges, like, it's just like you. If you're going to be dating someone, you have a certain preference. Like, I like granules. Not that I hate like lighter skinned guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean i don't mind the chinito if i really like going for it but it's not really my thing you know it's not my first choice <laughs> choice because <laughs> my attraction goes more yeah. on like the loreno so i think it's the same with the judges some of them like morenas like mm-hmm. some of them like late girls who have a certain oriental feature you know they look more asian like they look more chinese Korean, Japanese feature, mm-hmm. you know? And those are not necessarily uh, half Filipinas. Some of them are like pure. They just look like that. Okay. Because there are some Filipinas who are really light-skinned because from way, way past mm-hmm. Spaniards time, American yeah, time, all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> we're colonized. Let's just say it because, you know, that has resonated with some of the judges. I'm, again... There are judges who are biased, 100%. Mm, there okay. are judges. I can't say that all of them are the same way because mm, there mm-hmm. are judges who are fair and there are judges who are like, I like this person from the beginning. Yeah, then, which actually puts us to a question of like what I would sometimes think because there's a lot of like tweets and like TikTok comments as well that put like, are the winners predetermined? Do you feel like there are certain situations and pageants that they already know who's going to win and they favored this person from the beginning? I think before, yes. I think before more so. But we also have to remember that beauty pageant is a business Mm pageant. So more or less, there might be some girls who don't know, huh? Some of these girls like don't know that they're going to win. But like, let's say certain organizations might have this person in mind. Okay. So they will give the door. They'll open the door more freely to you. Mm, Give you more opportunities. Give you more opportunities. 
And but at the end of the day, if you mess up, there, there's nothing that they can <laughs> do about back it. You like, sorry, <laughs> bye. <laughs> that's the way it goes. I mean, sometimes even in basketball, right? A lot of basketball players will say sometimes it's it's luto. It's I mean, mm-hmm. it's controversial to say, but it's true. It's the reality of it. You have some referees who might throw the game off because they were paid. You never know. Mm-hmm. And again, the the best thing that you can say is that if you're truly good then no one's going to question it. But if you mess up, mm-hmm. then it's going yeah. to show. And they it's would going guess, to show. Then they would know. <laughs> then, like, then you would know. Yeah. It, I can't say 100% that people are fair because people are not. Mm-hmm. And there are those who will judge fairly and there are those who will go with their biases. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you really give them no excuse, I'd rather say like, People come up to me and tell me you should have won rather than why did she win? Yeah, that's, that's how true. I look mm-hmm. at it. You know, it, it's tough when that happens. <laughs> like, yeah, we talked a lot about how pageants are a competition, you know, um, and that's something that is very true and something that is like just a fact. Pageants are still competitions. So do queens really sabotage each other to win the crown? <laughs> are there those instances? I don't think that it's always there, but mm-hmm. I did feel it a oh, little bit when okay. I was competing mm-hmm. in my first because I don't know. Okay, maybe it's Duende. I don't know. Because, <laughs> because I would have things missing on the last minute oh, oh. and then show up after. right after. Oh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can only assume, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But no woman would actually go out of their way and be outwardly against you Mm -hmm. to your face there are i mean i think it's kind of like high school for me it was like a heightened version of high school high school where there are women who just don't want to talk to you and that's fine at least they're doing it to your face Mm -hmm. and there are women who just try to pretend to be your friend they they can be fake and then they talk Mm -hmm. to you talk about you behind your back and there are women who are just genuinely i found a lot of sisters in the pageant industry Mm -hmm. and it's hard to find I think before more than now, it was really difficult for me to have like female connection because we were always again pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the intentions are of the other woman. Um, you don't know if they're just being nice to you just so that they can use your stuff. Uh-huh. You know, like oh, let me use your lipstick, and then they never get <laughs> I love it back. this color. <laughs> it's mine now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that looks really good on you, but it actually does it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And okay. and I lost my phone, and I hundred percent think that someone stole it oh. because. It was in one location and it was hidden and nobody else would know except the people next. The, well, the person that I think was next to me. So, mm, okay, it is what it is. It's not know? outright. Like we don't see, it's not like pulling each other's hair type of no. sabotage, but there's some discretion like in there. Okay. There is. And there's always going to be tea, you know, mm-hmm. at the back of everybody's head. Yes. Like there are always going to be people who backstab you or not even you. You'll just hear about one person talking about another person. And it's, just uh i guess that's just how the maritas of the world work you know <laughs> if you're true. a maritas mm-hmm. from the beginning you'll you'll Forever. grow up into becoming a tita maritas you know yeah just want to bring this back in do you think there are discrimination on features like there are certain features that they're discriminated upon by queens themselves where it's like oh you're short or oh you have this hair color did you feel that ever from the backstage I think I've never felt it outright from women, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I think it's because we are all so insecure about our own selves okay. that we don't like talk about insulting another woman. It's never about that. That's I've good. never That's felt good. that. Mm-hmm. It was more from what the judges would think, you know, uh-huh. and I think when you get to know these women more and more and more, you have less of that thought because mm-hmm. you come in saying, okay, what are the what are they thinking? Are they thinking that they're better than me? Well, I'm better than them. You know, like even me. I have to hype myself up. I could be like, I may not be skinny, but I got a mouth on me. I got a brain on me. Yes. I can do this. Yes. I can beat you in a mm-hmm. Q&A. Because it's all affirmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very important. But never, never outright. Never outright. And mm-hmm. I've never felt any straightforward animosity towards these women, but I've seen it happen. Mm, I've seen okay. it because... They used to be like there was an issue before they got into pageantry. So the minute that they were in the same batch in the same pageant, then it kind of came out like there were clicks and stuff. So something that is not it's not always there, but it's a possibility because if you put women together or even a group of guys together, like no matter who, there's always going to be 
some type of issue if they knew each other and there was beef from before. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That We love that, yeah. though. <laughs> we love seeing yeah. it, though. <laughs> it's the drama for me. Yes. <laughs> but Okay, thank you so much for talking about all of these things. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but let's just tap into something I really wanted to ask. What do you feel is the role of a beauty pageant in our current system and culture? Do you think it is actually helpful or do you think it's a little bit hurtful now, especially given, you know, like we know that how pageants do play a big role in insecurities for other people, not just for the queens themselves, but the people who watch them and taking in this type of information and what they see in the media. Do you think that beauty pageants still have a role in our current system and culture and what place do you think it has? Honestly, like I said in the beginning, I didn't really have that much respect for pageantry, but now more than ever and being in it and meeting more people and getting exposed to it more. I really feel that pageantry is not just about representation. It's not just about I want to represent the Philippines. They are platforms for women because before that, when did people want to listen to women? Like, let's talk about 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. like back then misogyny was at its peak mm-hmm. right and the only time they would listen to you is if you were a beauty queen oh okay and that's before, a good point mm-hmm. I, right if you had some mm-hmm. type of position in life whether it's money or whatever that's the only time and it was even barely that they listened to you like they only gave you that time because that time and attention they because you. you were <laughs> they want to look at you if you were an actress you yeah. know you had more access to power you had more access to making something happen and mm-hmm. that's how i look at it even until now because there are people who still look at beauty queens as if they're they're just pretty dumb things but they're not they are more empowered than ever they are now being held more accountable for mm-hmm. advocacies for being mm-hmm. smarter and my only wish is that beauty pageants really take into account if you're going to put these requirements try making the requirement of heart even more important like Mm -hmm. don't choose a person just because they're pretty make sure that they do have something that they are fighting for or else don't add them in the pageant because if they are pretty but don't have a passion or a purpose then we'll get stereotyped (laughs) yeah (laughs) only stereotype but it's harmful it's harmful because it's like your superpower i think us as women before we kind of don't like being labeled as Pretty. There are w- women yeah. who love being labeled as pretty, but we don't like being labeled as pretty because pretty equals dumb. Yeah, that's, that's how it mm-hmm. was. I never thought pretty was a compliment when I was younger. I always thought you're so smart. That's a compliment to me. And then now, even in the corporate world, even with dealing with clients, I realized let them think up dumb at the beginning. Let them talk to <laughs> that's, me because I'm that's pretty. my strength. Yeah, that's Use my it. strength. And then later on, you're gonna find out. Bam! I'm actually really, really good. I'm mm-hmm. actually really, really smart, and I can do all of these things. But I'm already inside because you allowed me because of your bias to my prettiness. So let me take advantage mm. of that. So it is a superpower. It is a way for women to kind of own their femininity, own their power, and use it for their advantage. But again, you can't rely on just beauty. It's just Mm -hmm. your first step. It's kind of like, even guys, you can't just rely on your strength. You have to also rely on other things. You have to play to your strengths. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with playing to your strengths. And then using that strength to get something in return. Whether it's more opportunities for your career or whether it's money or Something that has to do with either surviving. You know, we're all just trying to survive. You're all just trying to get money for yourself to survive and for your family. And that's the case for most beauty queens. And beauty pageants is that platform that really allows Mm -hmm. women to have voices. I 100% agree with that. Is there a part where we feel like women are being objectified? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because... If I'm going to be 100% honest, I don't think that there should be skimpy swimsuits. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, I had more fun. There was a Miss World. There was an international Miss World. I think it was in 2013 or 14. They took out the swimsuits and they put cultural costumes instead. Mm-hmm. It was so elegant and beautiful. And you looked up to them and you learned something new because yes. you're like, where is that? You know about their culture. Mm-hmm. That's true. So if they put more into really getting to know the women and their stories and they put more into diversity and inclusion rather than just 
the prettiness and just the body, mm-hmm. then I think it would become better than it already is. It is getting better because we are holding them accountable, like yes. as fans. Mm-hmm. And the industry is changing, you know, like they are becoming more open. It's starting. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always going to be a negative and a positive effect, but I'd like to think of it more as a positive thing. Okay. It's just that the pageants in industry itself or pageants and its intention is good. It's just the people who are holding it. As of the moment. Or <laughs> yeah. As of the moment. Or the organizers. Mm. Like some of them need to do better in representing mm-hmm. these women. Some of them need to also represent each candidate and not just their favorites. Because like you said, sometimes it's a little bit halata mm-hmm. na the only people that you talk about are like these five people or these 10 people. What about the other women who join? These are quality women that you're trying to get. Listen to them. Give them a platform. See what they have to say. You know, you'll never know what you've learned and give them that opportunity to shine even if they don't win a crown because mm-hmm. there is yes. life after a pageantry. Wow. So hopefully that's yeah. something that people will kind of look at pageantry in a different light because I used to be a hater mm-hmm. and now I'm like an advocate, yeah. you know? Oh, okay. I love that because I've never thought of that. And, and I love that you mentioned how it gives women a place because before, that's true, women didn't have a place. And unfortunately, this was the only way we could get a place to like show off. Uh, like, you know, it's not bad to show it off, but like that was all that it was seen at the beginning. So that was like one foot in. And now that we do have that stage, we do have that platform, it's time to go forward with it, to use it even more, to make more spaces for people, to make more diversity and allow people to feel included and seen and I love that you said that because it really does give me a different perspective of a beauty pageant but most importantly it also gives me the energy and this like fire to hold more accountability to ask more things because we can do so much more we can show so much more it's just that we haven't allowed ourselves to do that and I love that you mentioned that so I think that is the perfect message to end on because that was so powerful so thank you so much for that before we end is there anything else you want to share or maybe share where people can find you and learn more about your messages and your platform as well well everybody can follow me on instagram and facebook it's at zb saldua z-b-s-a-l-d-u-a and i'm just pouring out like a lot of content about events and hosting and stuff but I do have a lot more to share. I'm also a part of a nonprofit organization called JCI Lesbianas Water Lily. And that's where I kind of put my heart and soul in more of the projects that I'm doing for different types of advocacies. I invited you also. Hopefully we can do a project together because Mm -hmm. I really wanted to push for fighting body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. in these targeted industries because those are the ones who are more prone Mm -hmm. to that type of thinking like pageants and um, anything that is competing for a body image that's something that we kind of want to just bring awareness to because you might fall into that rabbit hole just like me Mm -hmm. like it's okay to prepare your body and yourself and to getting into a certain diet but you have to remember that it's just for a competing Mm -hmm. it's like to compete and there is a healthier way to do it and not make it like your whole world because you need something that's sustainable for your body and the expectations that you hold for your body i'm just really glad because i've always wanted to like collaborate with you on something and yes. i'm just like i don't know i love this conversation truly like there is right? so much information <laughs> and i'm just like yes <laughs> we did that <laughs> yes yeah, so- yeah and i think it speaks so much because for like how you hold your content and how we support each other because before a lot of people would think I I can't believe like this person is getting so many views or so many followers mm-hmm. I'm so proud to see like the growth also in your followership and to oh, see the the, the way that you do content do right now <laughs> yeah. no, I, I just have to hype you up because woman to woman I'm trying to just let you know that you're doing such a great Thank job you. which is why I wanted to be a part of this because I feel like you're going to do so many good things for the people I think I forwarded your content to so many of my friends. 
And then a lot of them are like, oh my God, she understands. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're so my, congrats uh, on the donut box. You're my, you're my uh, what do you call this? Like my bot. My bot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. And I really love to see more of your content and what you stand for because it's so important. And I'm so glad that we were able to talk about this. So follow thank up, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that is the 11th donut. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here, spilling the coffee, but also letting us know a little bit more of the behind the scenes of the beauty pageant life. I have been a skeptic of beauty pageants for a long time, wondering what was the point. And it was really nice to see that it's true. It's a great platform for women in general to talk about relevant topics and to be seen and have a space. We just have to call for more accountability and ask for more diversity so that this can be an even safer space moving forward. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get there. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you want to know more about me, more content, you know what it is. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok. That is at is Joe Sebastian. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Joe Sebastian. Don't forget to follow the pod on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because we will definitely have more episodes. The Donut Box is an anima podcast podcast. So don't forget to follow them for more information on the latest pods. Until the next episode, don't forget, you always deserve to eat.